The now, the one who protects us all from prattling prognosticators and perfidious pundits. I say, America, stay out the bushes. Look for the union labels. As to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. From my cold, dead hands. I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. It's time for the Alan Nathan Show. Here he is, the longest-running nationally syndicated centrist host in the country, Alan Nathan. Welcome aboard, everybody. Welcome aboard. I'm ever yours, Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Thank you so much for joining us. If this is your virgin voyage, allow me to share with you our mantra. Folks, we want the Republicans out of our bedroom, the Democrats out of our wallets, and both out of our First and Second Amendment rights. We feel there exists this cavernous gap separating the two orthodoxies and that it's a gap comprised of many to greed-thinking people who can argue quite passionately in shades of gray. And to that end, each and every show, we have fine guests to help best illustrate this point. Today is no exception. Also, if you wish to hook up with us on the web, it's www.alannathan.com. Don't forget that email address, alan at alannathan.com. That's A-L-A-N. Coming at you live and strong each and every Monday through Friday at this time. Don't forget the classic Alan Nathan show, Saturday, 6 to 7 p.m. And overnight Sunday mornings, 3 to 4, all times Eastern. We are indeed a Main Street Radio Network production. Please check us out at MainStreetRadioNetwork.com. Feel free to avail yourselves of our nascent but always robust Twitter and Facebook options that we have there for you. And, of course, with great dispatch and alacrity we love to thank our distributor the salem radio network that's right the alan nathan show is entering its 25th year of national syndication all thanks to you reaching about 800 towns and cities across a couple of hundred radio station broadcasts each week again all thanks to you and by the way i don't care if you're part of the authoritarian left or perpetually clueless right please get out of the thought control business our topics du jour, as you may have heard, well, 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 and of course, there's, as per the norm, never quite enough time to get to all of them, but we endeavor to try nonetheless. Uh, NBC is finally reporting, although it's been reported a while ago, but to a lot of folks, it would seem like it's only just hit the presses because the left had done such a marvelous job of obscuring this, even though it came from NBC. <clears throat> but anyway, NBC had finally reported that, quote, natural immunity offers greater COVID protection than vaccines, unquote thus firmly exposing the government's COVID disinformation campaign, which has been perversely camouflaged as a campaign against COVID disinformation. <laughs> this is what's, what's going to follow. The Cochrane Report also came out far more recently, saying pretty much the same thing, only more so. <clears throat> also, ABC's Whoopi Goldberg and MSNBC's uh, Wajahat Ali respectively claim that Governor Nikki Haley is not part of a new generation of leaders because she's 51. And that she's using, quote, her brown skin to launder white supremacist talking points. While cartoonishly, of course, showing no validation whatsoever. Why are they doing this? Uh, before I get to my illustrious guest, let's have a little sampling of what these people are talking about. Uh, James, let's share with everybody clip three. This is going to be ABC's The View. You got Whoopi Goldberg with uh, Alicia Farrah Griffin, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, uh, responds to an ad by Nikki Haley's campaign wherein she says, we need a new generation of leadership. Have a listen, clip three. James, if you please. You're not a new generation. You're 51. What are you talking about? <laughs> Compared to 
to D.C., though, compared to D.C., that's a new generation. Well, but, it's, but it's not a new generation. She may be she may be younger than most of those people, but her, her rhetoric is the same. She's saying yeah. the same BS. You know, I tell you, it's just as well these self-invalidating simpletons are on a chat show because not one of them could survive in an actual debate program since all they spew are presuppositions masquerading a settled argument. I mean, God help these idiots if they were ever compelled to defend their assertions pretending to be accomplished findings. Also, you know, Whoopi Goldberg will rarely have moral authority on the subject of racism after some years ago hiring a makeup artist and writing a number of the jokes for her then-boyfriend Ted Danson, who performed in blackface at a roast in her honor. Till this day, she's defending that crap. Anyway, assisting in the opining and analyzing, we have an uh, old friend of the show, none other than Nicholas Fondacaro, Associate Editor for Free Speech America and uh, Business at uh, Media Research Center. Nicholas, good to have you back. How are you today? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Good to have you. Good to have you. Am I being uh, too unkind or am I uh, correct in pointing out that uh, people like Whoopi Goldberg and others on the left uh, seem to uh, uh, have a tendency to commit racism in the name of fighting it? What say you? Oh, you're absolutely right. The view itself has just been a home of racism. And then lately, it's just been targeted a lot of it at Nikki Haley, because in addition to Whoopi Goldberg, who was saying that that stuff there about Nikki Haley's age, you have Sonny Hostin, who's one of the most racist people on television, who last year went at Nikki Haley claiming she was a racial chameleon and who claimed Nikki Haley had changed her name to Passes White, even though Nikki is part of her Punjabi heritage name. And she claimed that she was that uh, Sonny had claimed that Nikki Haley was trying to hide from her Indian heritage, even though she had written a book talking about her Indian heritage and what it was like growing up in South Carolina with her Indian heritage. It's strange because it seems that Democrats are genuinely unable to discern the difference between issues relevant to racial conflict versus, you know, conflict transpiring between people who are perhaps not of the same race. In other words, a black guy and a white guy can disagree over the same things that might be the case for two blacks, two whites, two Hispanics, two Asians, two Middle Easterners. But according to these abridged thinkers uh, practicing identity politics, if they're not of the same race, well, then it must be a racial conflict. I mean, this is inexcusably and embarrassingly unsophisticated, is it not? Oh, absolutely. It's unsophisticated. You even have Sonny Hostin again. She, at one point uh, a couple years ago, was just saying that she views Hispanic and black Republicans as oxymorons because she thinks that they're voting against their their own self-interest, which I don't know about you, but I actually, uh, it's that's one one of the worst things to say in politics is that you understand somebody else's self-interest better than they know their own self-interest. And it's it, the the idea that republicans need to vote for somebody based uh, only vote for people based off their race or appearing white. Louisiana had Bobby Jindal as uh, as their governor. Like he clearly of Indian heritage and the, the the racist southern white republicans elected him their governor. This is so simplistic because it presupposes that only the Democrats can speak uh, for the sentiments of people of color, uh, even when people of color are speaking out for the interests, or at least for a portion of their community, um, while doing so from a, Repo- a Republican perspective. I mean, I mean, isn't there a difference between understanding 
issues relevant to racism versus issues relevant to conflict between those who, again, are just not of the same race. It's, really, it's as if once people have a differing point of view, um, if they happen to be of two different races, it's a racial conflict. But if you factor in also a political party, well, then it really goes awry, does it not? Exactly, because this is what you're seeing about stuff like when, on The View, they push for reparations, and that it just becomes this sort of anti-American tone of just like, if you're not for what they believe, then you're for oppressing people, you're not for giving them what they're due. It's this weird perversion that they, they, that they wield to, make, to try to, for them to have this moral high ground when they absolutely don't, and what they're doing is themselves is just steeped in this racist ideology. I'm at a loss as to how much more resonance they can get from this, um, because if you're going to tell me that the only time um, the issues that are truly relevant to a particular community are when they're expressed through the Democrat prism, it just seems to me that you're embodying the very racism you're ostensibly fighting. Uh, it, it just seems that, for instance, I'm looking now at um, in Chicago. Um, Illinois is injecting racial equity into their criminal justice system. And you have uh, them teaming up with uh, Roar. Um, mm. and, and, and I find it odd because you had one of the trainers at Roar saying that whites, white people can be damaging. So now apparently committing racism in the name of fighting racism is Cook County's and Roar's prescription for addressing an alleged systemic racism that really remains as unproven as it is cartoonishly imagined. I, I mean, just because racism exists to a degree hardly means that it's systemic, and it definitely can't be remedied by those who, again, embody the very racism they're ostensibly opposing. I mean, are these folks really that Neanderthalic on the left? It's definitely a it's definitely a uh, sin uh, it's very sinister on like their part. There's a cynicism to it because they wield this anti uh, this uh, racism and in some cases anti semitism because they want to like there's this this perverse definition of racism going around that's basically saying only white people can be racist because they have the power in society and minorities can't be racist and this is where it all stems from. It's this perverse redefining of words that gives them the moral authority to do this in their own minds you know we gotta we gotta keep covering this issue because um uh, genuine embrace of equality is in danger if the left is going to get away with still characterizing equality as somehow a racist construct in and of itself because what they would prefer to do is use words like equity I mean, talk about being functionally illiterate. Uh, Nicholas, if you can, buddy, hang on the line for just a moment, folks. You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. You may have never heard of it, but C. difficile or C. diff infection is a highly contagious bacterial infection that the U.S. CDC declared a major public health threat, which results in an estimated half a million infections each year. C. diff infection takes hold in the gut microbiome, and debilitating symptoms may include stomach pain, nausea, fever, and severe diarrhea. If you get C. diff infection once, Dr. Dennis Durrell, Executive Director of Hospital Medicine, American Physician Partners, LLC, says there's a good chance it will come back. 
Up to 35% of people who get a C. diff infection may get it again. This is called a recurrence. After that first recurrence, up to 65% may get C. diff again. Rebiota is the first and only FDA-approved microbiome-based treatment to prevent recurrent C. diff infection after you've taken antibiotics for recurrent C. diff infection. It's a single-dose treatment administered in minutes during one visit to your doctor's office. Talk to your doctor to find out if Rebiota is right for you. To learn more, visit rebyota.com. Rebiota Fecal Microbiota Live JSLM is indicated for the prevention of recurrence of Clostridioides difficile C. diff infection in individuals 18 years of age and older following antibiotic treatment for recurrent C. diff infection. Limitation of use. Rebiota is not indicated for the treatment of C. diff infection. Important safety information. You should not receive Rebiota if you have a history of a severe allergic reaction, e.g. anaphylaxis, to Rebiota or any of its components. You should report to your doctor any infection you think you may have acquired after administration. Rebiota may contain food allergens. Most common side effects may include stomach pain, 8.9%, diarrhea, 7.2%, bloating, 3.9%, gas, 3.3%, and nausea, 3.3%. Rebiota has not been studied in patients below 18 years of age. Clinical studies did not determine if adults 65 years of age and older responded differently than younger adults. You are encouraged to report negative side effects of prescription drugs to FDA. Visit fda.gov forward slash medwatch or call 1-800-332-1088. Please visit rebiota.com for full prescribing information. Dear John, I was hoping it wouldn't come to this, but you've left me no choice. I'm leaving. Uncontrolled high blood pressure is really serious, and lately you seem to really not care. I've been there for you since day one, and I know you think I'm going to keep ticking. But no, my friend, I can quit whenever I want. Why can't we get back to the good times when we were more active and ate more healthy foods and you checked on me every once in a while? Is that too much to ask? I don't want to leave, but unless you stop ignoring me, what else am I supposed to do? Remember, when I quit, you quit. Sincerely, your heart. Listen to your heart and don't let it quit on you. Doing the minimum to control your high blood pressure isn't doing enough. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. For help keeping yours at a healthy range, text PRESSURE to 97779. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. The mission of Paralyzed Veterans of America is clear. Accessibility. Veterans who have served and sacrificed the best of themselves deserve access to the best our country has to offer. Access to meaningful employment. Access to the veterans' benefits they've earned. Accessible homes and vehicles. And access to every part of their communities. With PVA staff working inside VA hospitals, no other veterans organization has provided more real-time ongoing support for paralyzed veterans and their families. PVA is proud to serve veterans across all branches, all generations, and all conflicts. Our nation's heroes fought for your independence. Join PVA in fighting for theirs at pva.org. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. We're zeroing, zeroing in right now on ABC's Whoopi Goldberg and MSNBC's uh, Wajahat Ali. 
uh, respectively uh, claiming that Governor Nikki Haley, who, of course, has announced her presidential run for the GOP uh, nomination, that she's somehow not part of a new generation of leaders because she's 51 and that she's using, quote-unquote, her brown skin to launder white supremacist talking points, unquote, while cartoonishly showing no validation. Uh, These folks are filled with assertions, but they can never tether them to any measurable standard of accountability in dialogue and debate. No um, uh, required foundational merit whatsoever. Um, We have assisting in the opining and analyzing old friend of the show, Nicholas Fondacaro, Associate Editor for Free Speech America, as well as business at the uh, Media Research Center. Nicholas, appreciate you sticking around. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on. Happy to stay around. No, uh, glad, glad to keep you. Glad to have you as well. I want to go ahead and uh, continue a little bit more with this. Um, uh, James, if you wouldn't mind, let's go ahead and set up clip four. This is going to be MSNBC's uh, uh, Mahadi Hassan show. Uh, you got Daily Beast contributor Wajahat uh, Ali saying that Nikki Haley is a Manchurian candidate for racist, and she knows better. Uh, she refers... Um, uh, he refers to uh, the 1960 civil rights post- protesters as the original Black Lives Matter protest. Apparently, this guy's disconnected from history. And he refers to Nikki Haley as a uh, model minority being used to oppress blacks. Again, all assertions, nothing tethered to any measurable standard of accountability in dialogue and debate. But let's listen to his uh, masturbated rant for a moment. Clip four, James, if you please. Uh, to quote Zora Neale Hurston, not all skinfolk are kinfolk. Uh, Nikki Haley instead is the Dinesh D'Souza of Candace Owens. She's the alpha Karen with brown skin. And for white supremacists and racists, she's the perfect Manchurian candidate. And instead of applauding her, I am just disgusted by people like Nikki Haley who know better, whose parents were the beneficiaries, as Asha said, of the 1965 Immigration Nationality Act, which passed thanks to those original BLM protesters and the Civil Rights Act. Her father came here because he was a professor. He taught at a historically black college in South Carolina. That's how she became the proud American that she is. And yet, what does she do like all these model minorities, which, by the way, is a strategy of white supremacy to use Asians in particular as a cudgel against black folks. Instead of pulling us up from the bootstraps and pulling others from the bootstrap, we're taught to take your boot and put it on the neck of poor browns, immigrants, refugees, and black folks. And that's what she did in her ad. So I see her and I feel sad, maybe, because she uses her brown skin as a weapon against poor black folks and poor brown folks, and she uses her brown skin to launder white supremacist talking points. So he's telling us that the conclusion of his claim is validation for his argument versus showing uh, the validation itself. He's using these presuppositions masquerading as settled argument versus showing how said argument was actually ever settled. So let me let me share this with you. Am I wrong in saying that this guy is just nauseatingly embodying the very racism he's ostensibly against and that he's pretty much doing it by imbecilically presupposing that only Democrats can speak for people of color, and that unless people of color regurgitate the woke's masturbated sophistry, well, they must be by default white supremacists. I mean, why doesn't this bigoted ne'er-do-well grow up and learn how to tether his assertions to their required foundational merits? I'm mystified. Help me. I was actually really disgusted just listening to that. It like made me sick listening to it. It's the the idea that she's some like because she's for legal immigration, which is what her parents did. They used a legal immigration process to come to America, and suddenly they need she's racist and laundering white supremacy for making for wanting people to come here legally. It's. It, 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 again, it's this idea of unless a, a person of a certain color is is going with a certain ideological 
political ideological bent, they're, they're suddenly not of their culture. You're denying them their heritage at, at that point. And like you said, this itself is just steeped in this racism. And just to touch on the Whoopi Goldberg stuff earlier, like uh, and how, you, how you're pointing out that they're not uh, basing their arguments on any logical fact, Whoopi is claiming that um, Nikki Haley is not part of a new generation. Biden is part of the silent generation. He was born in 1942. Nikki Haley was born in 1972. She's Gen X. That's two generations sooner, two generations past uh, President Biden and Trump, her opponent on the Republican side. He was he was he's a baby boomer, so he's one generation ahead of her. So well, in that, both and cases, he's also, she's a newer his, generation. Yeah, his assessment also seems to be steeped in, in stone cold ignorance. He's talking yeah. about how uh, early sixties were the early BLM. No. Uh, early 60s uh, African-Americans, they wanted equality. They weren't looking for equity. All right. They mm-hmm. were not about diversity, equity and inclusion, because today's diversity is used to uh, talk about uh, diversity only in pigmentation, not uh, variables in thought. You know, uh, you, you, if you're going to have diversity, you need to have diversity in thought as well as any other uh, denomination you might want to think of. Also, equity is now being used to replace equality. Um, in that, uh, oh, we want to pay off. And then inclusion is, is uh, uh, to force reference and acceptance of perspectives uh, and demand that they be accepted because they've been attached to certain ethnic groups. Um, I mean, it, it should really – I think I like um, Ron DeSantis's approach. Instead of diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, he refers to it as, uh, you know, colorblindness and equality – and uh, merit, actually, um, and, and I think he's on to something there. But the, the ignorance is palpable because when he talks about Black Lives Matter uh, having essentially uh, had an early 60s version of itself when the civil rights era was, was coming into being is nonsensical because Black Lives Matters are devotedly socialistic. They're authoritarians. You might recall that when uh, the Cuban government um, not so long ago suppressed the protests of their people who were seeking individual freedom, you actually had BLM siding with the Cuban government because that was all in the name of fighting chaos. Well, I'm sorry. If you have people who've been oppressed and they're trying to no longer be oppressed, there's going to be some chaos uh, in bringing that change about. But yet we had BLM actually supporting the Cuban government oppressing its people. Why? Because BLM is really all about uh, authoritarian socialism and f all to do with the uh, individual rights of African Americans. Where am I wrong in the least? Yeah, and, and the media are like exactly BLM. If you go to their website and you look at like their principles, it is it is rooted in a Marxist view of the world and a a call to action in in the Marxist teaching. And this is what the liberal media doesn't want the average public to know. They just want the they wanted they want to help with the co opting of just the phrase Black Lives Matter and to just make it the catch all for this organization and default everybody to this. And so people think that what the organization wants is what's best for the black community when it's just Marxism and tearing people down, this call for a, re, a radical readjustment of our society, capitalist society, and bring about a socialist Marxist worldview and order in the country. Oh, no, without a doubt. I mean, again, too often bad faith assertions of racism are really the result of placing politics behind pigmentation. 
thus mm-hmm. sort of ensuring that objection to those politics can now be characterized as objection to the race behind which those politics are placed, also known as identity politics. For instance, uh, because the left now refers to socialism as social justice and then tethers it to a multitude of minority-owned identity groups, folks are no longer permitted to object to socialism because, you know, doing so means they're supposedly objecting to the ethnicity of the group behind which that relabeled socialism now stands. I mean, how the hell does that cartoonish stunt expand any rational discussion, sir? You're exactly right. It doesn't do anything of that at all, and it's meant to just boil people down to get people riled up each other and further divide us. Final word, Nicholas Fondacaro, great having you. Folks, going to be right back. From NAACP Image Award-nominated author Elise Bryant comes a new rom-com about two teens who overcome misconnections and find their way to love. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling follows two people who seemingly have nothing in common, but after a year of chance encounters, begin to think the universe may be telling them something. Dungeons and Dragons-obsessed Reggie and emotionally bottled-up Delilah meet for the first time on New Year's Eve and again on Valentine's Day, and on random occasions throughout the year. They're drawn to each other, though they are each too insecure to be their true selves. So what happens once they realize they've each fallen for a version of the other that doesn't really exist? Author Elise Bryant. This is a sweet and funny romantic story in which the characters learn to overcome their fears and discover who they truly are. I hope readers enjoy going along on this ride with Reggie and Delilah and maybe learn something about themselves along the way. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling is now available wherever books are sold. The new Mayo Clinic diet has been named among the top diets by U.S. News and World Report. Dr. Donald Hensrud, medical director of the Mayo Clinic Healthy Living Program, explains what makes their program so effective. Our new Mayo Clinic diet, built by a team of doctors and medical experts, focuses less on counting calories and more on empowering users with the knowledge and ability to maintain a healthy weight. Members get access to exclusive content and videos from real Mayo Clinic doctors, healthy recipes, tracking tools, and the popular Habit Optimizer that helps users substitute old unhealthy habits with healthier ones, all through a mobile app. Instead of fad diets or crash diets that rarely work for very long, our book and online program and app helps you adopt principles for a healthier way of life, which is really the secret to long-term success. Curious to know how healthy your diet is? The Mayo Clinic has an easy three-minute quiz. Go to mayoclinicdiet.com to find out. Psst, Steven. Who said that? Me, down here. What are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. Well, uh, what are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. Don't you remember me? Don't you know that we miss you? Miss me? Who misses me? You know, all your friends in the forest. The trees, the pond, that little fort that you made out of branches. We all miss you. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. Oh, I guess that makes sense. The forest is not that far away. Have an adventure today. I'm sure your mom would take you. You're right. I should get out. I want to have fun. Plant puddles, catch frogs, and climb trees. Hey, Mom! Yeah, hon? <gasps> Stephen! What is that in your hand? It's my sense of adventure, Mom. It's telling me we need to get out of the house and have some fun in nature today. Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. You know that feeling? Like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out? Being unemployed, underemployed, or just out of school feels a lot like that. But when you find the right tools... 
Suddenly, everything just clicks. Getting on that path may be easier than you think. A good place to start? Go to findsomethingnew.org. At findsomethingnew.org, you have access to resources that help develop new skills. Skills that will position you for careers in today's growing industries. From healthcare and manufacturing to cybersecurity and alternative energy. Plus, you can take advantage of online courses, certification programs, apprenticeships, and more. So you can take yourself from unemployed and uncertain to empowered and prepared for what's next. Find your path to a new career today. Visit findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny. When I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Blowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes. When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Every year is Alan Nathan, the Militant Moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis for those who have an aversion to the left-right, black-white, two-dimensional approach. Well, we're covering a number of things here today. Uh, NBC has uh, recently reported that natural immunity offers greater COVID protection than vaccines, thus uh, firmly exposing the government's COVID disinformation campaign, which has been perversely camouflaged as a campaign against COVID disinformation. (laughs) It's just absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. I mean, the government has almost been thuggish-like in, it, in its uh, comportment. I mean, oh, my God. It's really ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I mean, oh, my God, who could take these people seriously? But more recently, when I think it was in January of this year, um, the gold standard Cochrane study um, disabused the government even more by reporting that they had difficulty finding, quote, benefit from surgical over no masks or N95 respirators over surgical, unquote. Now, again, the the main gist of this uh, universally respected international research collaboration, once again called the Cochrane Study, C-O-C-H-R-A-N-E, is that their analysis is an analysis of dozens of rigorous studies, including randomized clinical trials, what they call them RCTs. What's amazing is that they couldn't find, quote, even a modest effect on infection or illness rates from masks of all qualities, unquote. And again, this included N95 respirators or super masks, if you will. Now, we'll, we'll get into some of the specifics in a bit, but on first blush, this, this really is an astounding rebuke of the Biden administration's uh, mask mandates, is it not? What about all the other COVID protocols? As just mentioned with NBC, finding that, yes, natural immunity does offer greater protection uh, than vaccine immunity. Anyway, without further ado, 
We have assisting in the opining and analyzing, old friend of the show, former state senator Ted Harvey, a Republican for the great state of Colorado, who's chairman of the committee to defeat the president at StopJoe.com. He also served as a White House staffer under President Ronald Reagan, also as a district office manager for Congressman Joel Heffley. He was also in Colorado's House of Representatives himself. Good to have you back, Senator. How are you today? I am great. How are you, sir? I'm hanging in. I'm hanging in. Um, these revelations, uh, some of them are a little older than others, but I'm having to revisit them because uh, the left uh, treats the universe as if these developments have never occurred. And you still have a tonnage of lefties out there insisting, well, yeah, vaccine immunity is the way to go. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that people shouldn't get their vaccines and that they should catch COVID instead. But I am pointing out that uh, if you have uh, caught it naturally and you survived, that you're walking around with significantly stronger protection than can be said of those who just got this the shot as well as subsequent boosters. Where am I mistaken? Well, um, by saying you shouldn't, you aren't going to say you shouldn't get the bo- the, the, the vaccine. Um, if you are under the age of 30, um, you probably have a higher um, death rate from the vaccine than you do from the actual COVID virus. Very good. Uh, very good point. Statistically, very good point. there's been statistically zero deaths in the United States of kids under the age of 19. In the, in the last three years that we've been dealing with this issue, yet our federal government, you said, is being somewhat thuggish-like, um, it, it's way worse than that. They are, they are pretty much demanding that people get the, the vaccine. And for kids under the age of 19, it's, it, in many places, they're, they're saying that you have to get the vaccine. And I think it's child abuse for anybody to be giving this vaccine to anybody under the age of 19. When you look at the myocarditis rate that um, kids are getting from taking this vaccine and the fact that none of them have died because of this. And um, I think that this is an outrage that will go down in history as one of the greatest medical um, crimes in, in world history. No, I'm inclined to agree with you. I mean, uh, when it comes to uh, those uh, 19 and below, I mean, it's the, the death rate for them uh, for COVID is, uh, I mean, the survival rate, I should say, is 99.98%, something crazy like that. Juxtapose that to the uh, risk factor of taking a vaccine that's totally unnecessary, and you clearly wind up where you discussed. Yes, when I was talking about I wouldn't you know, recommend people to not get the vaccine. I'm talking about much older folks. I should have qualified that. Thank you very much. But I want to revisit this NBC News take on it. It's, again, it says natural immunity offers uh, greater COVID protection than vaccines. Um, it was by Jordan Gartner. Um, and the funny thing is, though, when, when you mention it, the left is still seen as oblivious and treats it like a new development that must be wrong and therefore ignored. But let's look what the story says. It says, it's something that has been up for discussion since the start of the pandemic. What provides greater protection from COVID? A study published this month in the New England Journal of Medicine. It's not a crackpot unit, okay? The st- <laughs> a study published in the New England Journal of Medicine shared findings that supported natural immunity providing greater protection from COVID infection than multiple vaccinations. I want to emphasize that again. All right. A study published in the New England Journal of Medicine shared findings that supported natural immunity providing greater protection from COVID infection than multiple uh, vaccinations. All right. 
Now, sir, incredulously, the CDC's response was to say that, quote, getting a COVID-19 vaccination is a safer and more dependable way to build immunity to COVID-19 than getting sick with COVID-19. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said, unquote. Now, I mean, this, thus, they're still running from their position holding that vaccine immunity is better than naturalized immunity and that even if you have the former, you should still attain the latter. I mean, they're not just idiots. They're monsters, are they not? (laughs) They are exactly monsters. And you look at um, Dr. Fauci, who literally was destroying scientists' careers, doctors' careers, when they did try to say all of this, three years ago. And when the um, when they tried to go on social media and talk about it, when they tried to have press conferences and talk about it, the our government, our federal government went to the social media platforms around the, the country and 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 network TV stations around the country and said, do not allow these people to talk because they are spreading misinformation. And they tried to ruin their careers. Where it all fell apart was when finally Dr. Malone was able to have his say on the Joe Rogan show and got that message out to millions and millions of people that what the federal government, what Dr. Fauci is doing is criminal and that what everybody in the CDC is saying about the virus and the, and the death rate of the virus and the effects of the vaccine is completely wrong. And that's what opened up the floodgates and allowed people to start to hear what actually is the truth about this whole situation. But if it wasn't for that one interview, I don't know if the world would have been able to hear what actually has been going on. Well, it was certainly a compelling component, although a number of uh, shows out there were beating the drum, a number of writers. Um, it was, I think, a, a question of, um, you know, the perfect storm, cumulative weight. Because uh, after a while, uh, a dike can only hold so much water back, even if that dike is the mainstream media, um, and it's incredibly high, incredibly wide, incredibly deep. The truth is, uh, when storm waters arrive, um, they can do so in a way that will eclipse all dikes of ignorance. Uh, but the point because is the water rises higher than those dikes can. Uh, what's that? Our, my point is is our federal government was working to suppress the truth. Oh, that's and, right, and they, get the, and they get no benefit of the doubt because of that. I mean, perhaps had governments around the world, including the United States, not been caught falsely telling us that the, sh- the COVID shot would stop transmission, they might have some credibility, but they were caught, so they don't have credibility, do they? Also, had they not been caught falsely telling us that mask wearing would have great efficacy, they might have some credibility, but they were caught, so they don't have credibility. Also, had they not been caught falsely telling us that vaccine immunity was greater than natural immunity, they might have had some credibility, but they were caught, so they don't have credibility. And it goes on and on and on. I mean, they have been caught red-handed lying to us about how the shot would stop transmission, how mask wearing would ha- stop transmission, or or at least have a great impact on it that was worth the sacrifice. And again, this whole uh, vaccine immunity having uh, greater strength than natural immunity when the, when the antithesis turns out to be the case, I mean... They have been caught lying at such a grand scale that I don't believe even the mainstream media can rescue this from them. Too many people have seen it. Isn't that fair to say? Yes. And the number one question now is why? 
why did the federal government purposely go out, uh, not just the United States government, but the world governments, go out and purposely lie to the people of the world about the um, a death rate of the virus, and why did they lie to the world to take the vaccine? There obviously was some agenda behind that. For emergency that powers, my it? friend. For emergency powers. Uh, I think it's more insidious than that. But, I mean, those emergency powers, by default, gave them almost plenipotentiary control over our lives and also allowed them to manipulate the protocols surrounding elections with rule changes on the fly that otherwise could have never passed muster. I mean, I, 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 I'm not, I, I wouldn't doubt you in saying there's something far more invidious at play, but just that revelation in and of itself is pretty strong. You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. In December, LastPass, a popular app for managing passwords, suffered a security breach, potentially exposing millions of people's personal information. When a business created to protect passwords gets hacked, it's a reminder how vulnerable our sensitive information can be when stored in the cloud. And for businesses who need to protect data, security is a top concern. To help prevent security risks, the open directory platform provider JumpCloud recently introduced a password manager, JumpCloud's Antoine Jabara. Businesses cannot always rely on an offline solution as users need to share and access passwords across multiple devices. And cloud-based options aren't ideal either. JumpCloud Password Manager takes a hybrid approach, storing data on users' devices and seamlessly syncs user vaults to multiple devices in an end-to-end encrypted way. This addresses some of the limitations of cloud-based systems and bridges the gap between convenience and security. To learn more, visit jumpcloud.com. Vitamin B12 is important for supporting not only our metabolism, but also our energy levels. Our brain and our nerves need certain vitamins like B12 in order to function properly. Even if you're eating all the healthy foods like fruits and vegetables and getting you know great sources of protein, it's sometimes the case that you can become deficient in one or more nutrient, and that's where supplements can be helpful. So if you wanna support your B12 levels, Jaro's Methyl B12 is a great supplement to consider to optimize your B12 levels. This type of B12 is recognized by the body, so it's delivered to your cells more efficiently. It's also been shown that it is a great way to make sure that you're getting a highly absorbed form of vitamin B12 and one that's gonna be retained better than other types of B12. You can learn more at jaro.com. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes, their age, the way they speak? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who got got his first first job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner? Or a 14-year-old girl who signs up to every after-school activity not to make friends, but just to get something to eat? Or a retiree who fell ill and had to choose between getting medicine or groceries. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. 
My name is Judy Teeter, and I'm the mother of three boys. My youngest, Joe, was a great kid. He loved sports, music, and his youth group. One day, Joe asked me to drive him to an after-school event, which was about a mile from our home. I was driving through a green light when a car in cross-traffic ran a red light and drove right into the side of our car, killing Joe. The driver was talking on her phone, so she never even saw the red light. She was so absorbed in her phone call. Before the crash, I didn't realize just talking on a cell phone while driving was so dangerous. Now it's something I think about every day. According to the National Safety Council, about one in four car crashes involves a cell phone. Hands-free is no safer. When you're behind the wheel, put away your phone. For Joe and for the thousands of needless deaths every year, remember, there is no safe way to talk on a cell phone while driving. Find out more at nsc.org slash callskill. I'm Ben Affleck, and I want to thank you for joining me and supporting Paralyzed Veterans of America. Our vets need you. I'm a quadriplegic. I'm definitely at risk with my diminished lung capacity. I have MS. I'm in a wheelchair, and I can't leave the house because I have a compromised immune system. I'm very concerned about would there be a bed for me? Would there be a ventilator for me? Would I be able to survive something? It's, it's just heavy. You know, it's, it's a heavy... It's a heavy moment. This is a war. This really is. Our veterans fought for us. Let's fight for them. I am so grateful for the PVA. They're making sure that we have all of the food and supplies that we need right now. We all got to help each other right now. We can't get through this by ourselves. It's with profound gratitude that you're going to be saving our lives. To find out how you can help, please go to helppva.org. That's H-E-L-P-P-V-A dot org. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. Absolutely delighted you could be with us. I'm going to go a little off the beaten path right now and introduce old friend of the show with a development uh, coming out of Israel. His name is David Rubin. He's former mayor of Shiloh, uh, Israel. It's located in the West Bank. I've been there. Uh, he's a founder and president of the Shiloh Children's Fund, which serves to heal the trauma of terror victim children. His most recent book is the highly praised work entitled Confronting Radicals, What America Can Learn from Israel. David, good to have you back. How are you today? Well, thank you. Good to be with you. Good to have you. Good to have you. I want to uh, go over some things. There's some major developments happening in your country right now. Apparently, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu is uh, uh, the subject of some ire right now. Many would assert that it's self, self-generated. Um, he's uh, he's set, he, he wants to... Um, uh, overhaul the country's legal system. Uh, apparently, um, he wants to uh, essentially have the country's unelected judges uh, get some of their powers reined in to supposedly uh, bring about a more balanced state. Uh, some might wonder, well, wouldn't this go up against uh, Israel's constitution if it has one? Now, the truth is we know Israel doesn't really have a constitution. I believe it was supposed to uh, create a constitution when it was founded as a state. But my also, my understanding also is that there are like 13 basic uh, laws that have a quasi-constitutional power to them because these can only be changed by a supermajority vote in the Knesset, your legislative uh, branch. 
Um, but you, you for, for the state of Israel, the legislative and the executive are kind of uh, clo- more closely married with the judiciary um, having a, a level of sway that would not be the case if there were a constitutional form of government. It seems that uh, what uh, Benjamin Netanyahu is trying to do uh, by through legislation or executive uh, persuasion, if you will, is something that would really require the country to get behind a constitution. And he's getting into a lot of trouble right now by trying to remove some of the powers of that judiciary. Where am I mistaken? Well, let, let me give a little background first, okay? The, the, and I'll, I'll try to do it as quickly as possible and as clearly as possible. Go right ahead. In the United States, there's a Supreme Court, and there's a justice system, okay? There are justices on that Supreme Court. They are chosen by the president. They are appointed by the president of the United States, and they are approved or rejected in a few cases by the Senate. Yeah. Now, who elects the president and who elects the Senate? The voters. Right. So, so there are changes in administration. Sometimes the Democrats, sometimes the Republican, sometimes the right, sometimes the left, but. In the, in the long run, the people's will is reflected in those justices' interpretation of the, of the Constitution. Now, yes, in Israel there is no Constitution yet, but there are these basic laws that are being developed over time. And it's kind of like a, a gradual constitutional convention, you might say. Right. So... In, in Israel, how, how do we currently select the justices on the Supreme Court? There is a committee. And who holds a majority in that committee that votes and appoints the, the new justices for the Supreme Court? Who, does? who holds the majority? The Supreme Court. The, the members of the Supreme Court have a majority on that committee. So you're so, saying basically said, the judiciary is getting to choose its own uh, level correct. of expansion and the people. Who, and Benjamin Netanyahu wants to veer away from that, yes? Yes. Instead of having a Supreme Court that's a self-perpetuating body uh, that, that you know everyone comes from North Tel Aviv and everyone comes from a particular ethnic uh, background, so he wants to open it up so that the people – have more of a long-term say, as they do in the United States and in most enlightened democracies. Now, what about the national level versus the local level? Because uh, in our country, state judiciaries have judges elected, um, as well as appointed by governors. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's, it's sort of like a right. miniature version. But, um, well, that has to be worked out. That has okay. to be worked out. But but the, the main point is the Supreme Court, because the, the Supreme Court has inordinate power in Israel. The Supreme Court can strike down any law at a moment's notice. Uh, and they, Anyone who wants to, even if they don't have standing in a particular case or issue, can appeal to the Supreme Court, as long as they pay the fee. Uh, they can appeal to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court can strike something down within a week. Well, it's that means like the Supreme the Court States. could ostensibly strike down the very maneuvers that Netanyahu is moving forward with, so how does he thread that needle? 
Ah, well, if the <laughs> if, if that, that'll be quite interesting if that happens because uh, that actually might because, prove Netanyahu's argument. Look, see, they're trying to stop me from having a check on them. This judiciary wants to be a check-free component of the government, and therein lies my justification for moving forward. Right. I mean, they try to make his argument. Essentially, it's already happened. Uh, the 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 chief justice has come out very very publicly, saying that she is against this this bill, and you know the very day that it came out, she she came out with a this very harsh public statement. She is a political individual. She's making a very clear stand that she is a politician from the left, and she's going to take a stand, and it's and it's very problematic. So. Uh, the 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 elements in the reform bill in Israel are working to restore Israel's system of checks and balances, which was undone about 25 years ago by our own Barack, the former Chief Justice, and with with the support of of the left part of the political spectrum. But then it so, becomes dictatorial. Just if you don't have your branches of government with a check then the one that has the greatest latitude is the one who becomes dictatorial. You know what they say, power is corrupting, absolute power is absolute corrupting. Uh, That's right. That's why checks and balances has to go both ways. Yeah. Right now you're telling me the government of Israel doesn't have reciprocal checks and balances with any proportionality. That's correct. How are the people of Israel reacting to this? Uh, the left side of the political spectrum is demonstrating in the streets. Uh, the right side of the political sp- of spectrum elected this conservative government and wants them to follow through with the reform, with the reform plan. It's almost like you need a referee. Or uh, it's unfortunate. I we got to get you back on to give us some updates on this because uh, this um, this uh, seems naturally chaotic. Uh, because the Constitution is definitely in order. David Rubin, always a blast. Folks, you're listening to the Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. You here on the Main Street Radio Network are those of the host, callers, and guests, and not necessarily those of the station, Main Street Radio Network, its management, or advertisers. The information on the Main Street Radio Network does not constitute a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or securities. So please, consult a professional before investing. If you have any questions or comments about Main Street Radio Network, contact us at 70 70- or at our website, MainStreetRadioNetwork.com.